Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast is provided by Subtruck Law. Revolution Recap thanks Subtruck Law for their support of our show, local independent media, and their mission of bringing unbiased truth. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. The Revolution suffered their first loss of the season, and boy, was it a doozy, losing 4 to nothing in a late-night, Sunday-night game to LAFC. A real miserable experience for everyone who stayed up to watch. Uh, it ends, obviously, the Revs' unbeaten streak to start the season. It ends their shutout streak to start the season uh, after conceding a penalty kick in the 14th minute. Overall, a very bad night for the New England Revolution, and here to unwrap it all is, uh, well, I'm Greg Johnstone here to unwrap it all uh, and uh, suffering to relive this experience uh, with you all. And joining me in this terrible experience is Sean Donahue. Sean, how are you doing? You know, I would have been doing a lot better if the game wasn't at 1030 last night. Uh, and then it, it felt like they dragged forever to even have kickoff after 1030. <laughs> Which, I'm, I'm just glad that's our only uh, 1030 Sunday night kickoff all season because this was not a pleasant experience. <laughs> I wasn't looking forward to the 1030 Sunday night game. And then on top of that, you add on a road game against the MLS Cup champions. Um, and then you add on that. Well, then you add on Carlos Hill not starting. And then on top of all of that, you get that level of performance where it seemed like after the first 15, 20 minutes, uh, things just kind of went downhill. And then it really unraveled in that last 30 minutes. Um, God bless you if you sat through the full 90 because it got very ugly at the end. Um, we'll get into all that. First, we have some housekeeping. We have some notes to kind of go through. Uh, first off, uh, according to our numbers, we have some new listeners. Uh, welcome. We hope you stick around. Uh, also, a reminder to rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. I'm going to sh- say this off at the top. It helps us in our algorithm. It helps people that are looking for soccer podcasts find our podcasts. Uh, and so uh, just want to give a shout out to those of you that have recently uh, reviewed uh, and, and uh, helped us out there. Uh, also, you may have noticed that we have been getting some advertisements, uh, some uh, automatic ads being placed into our podcast. Podcasts. Years ago, a long, long, long time ago, I signed up for this program uh, through our podcast platform. And for whatever reason, they have just kicked in now. For the most part, I understand that they have not been an issue. You might hear an ad at the beginning of the episode. You might hear one at the end and you might hear one in the middle. And the first few weeks, uh, apparently these ads were being placed perfectly in a non-controversial place. Uh, but last week, uh, it apparently cut off Sean mid-sentence. So it's an issue we're looking into. Uh, and if it continues to happen, if you could reach out to us at revolution recap, revolution recap at gmail.com, or you can send us a note uh, on uh, our social media and we will look into fixing that. Uh, I don't think it'll be an issue this week, uh, but we don't know. And also, a lot of people aren't getting ads. It depends on where you live, I think. Uh, And so some people are getting ads, some people aren't. Uh, For me, I'm not getting any ads, so I don't know where they're being placed unless people reach out to me and and tell me. Uh, So uh, please just let me know. And also, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Revolution Reddit. Um, I don't post our episodes on Reddit because I don't think you're allowed to post uh, self-promote on Reddit, but someone posted an episode, uh, and, uh, there were some comments there and and some people were not sure if we were on Reddit. Uh, and I do lurk on Reddit. Uh, I will not tell you my username, uh, but I am an active member of revolution Reddit, Reddit. Uh, so shout out to all of them. And then one more note, Sean, before we get into our key takeaways presented by the rebellion, uh, the rebellion would like everyone to know that they are hosting a St. Patrick's day tailgate at next week's game versus Nashville SC. Uh, it will feature a variety of Irish music, food, uh, and some games, some Irish games. There will also be a raffle for this year's revolution St. Patrick's day scarf. Uh, so make sure you will go to the welcome tent and grab your ticket for the raffle. Again, that is the rebellion's St. Patrick's day tailgate open to the rebellion, midnight riders, you don't need to be a member of a supporters group open to all. So please go check that out. Sean, uh, what is your key takeaway presented by the rebellion? Yeah, I've gone kind of back and forth on this one. I think up until about the you know, 67th minute, I was ready to, even with a you know, potentially a one nothing loss, I was ready to kind of give a positive key takeaway and that I was 
really impressed with Latif Blessing and his movement in this game. And he seemed like he was just about everywhere. And then he had that turnover on the third goal the Reds conceded. And I, I decided to, to scrap that one. But up until that, he looked really good. Um, but my key takeaway is more of, of looking forward. Um, and that's, you know, this game... I expected the Revolution to lose this game. I talked about it last week that this was arguably the hardest game on the Revolution schedule, and it came in the third week of the season. Um, you know, there was some things playing in the Revs' advantage. The CONCACAF Champions League game that that LA played should have, you know, helped the Revs a little bit against tired legs. Didn't look like a tired LAFC team. Um, looked like a very, very good LAFC team. Carlos Vela started on the bench. They didn't need him. Uh, but it was a very, very difficult game for the Revolution. Um, you know, losing this game one nothing wouldn't have been that big of a deal. Uh, Revolution got off to a great start this season. Again, very difficult game on the road against the defending MLS Cup champions. No shame in, in, a, in a you know close loss. Losing this game for nothing, uh, it's kind of embarrassing. Um, given again the way this game played out, given defensively how inept the Revolution looked at times, and offensively how inept the Revolution looked at times in this one, uh, nothing was working at least in the last the second half of this game. Um, so my takeaway is it's going to be very telling how the Revolution react to this result. Um, like I said, a loss alone in L.A. is not that big of a deal, given where the Revolution are at this point of the season. Won their first two games. L.A. a very difficult team. Uh, but this is a bit demoralizing, uh, a bit embarrassing to lose 4 nothing in this manner. Um, and the Revolution have a, a short week now, you know, going Sunday to Saturday. Uh, less time to get this out of their heads. They have to travel cross-country to get back home um, and then play a very good Nashville team next weekend. So, you know, how the Revolution react to this game to me is going to be very telling of how the season plays out for the Revs. Uh, they didn't react well to adversity last year. You know, will they react well to adversity this year? Um, I, you know, it, there's a lot of negatives we can take away from this specific game, but I think it's more about going forward, putting this game behind them. If they go out and win against Nashville, nobody cares about this game anymore. If they go out and t turn into a poor performance against Nashville after this, uh, maybe it's the start of something you know bigger and 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 more importantly, uh, a negative for the Revs. But um, again, you know, this loss isn't a killer. But the way they lost has to be a bit demoralizing for the Revolution, given how well they started the season and just how poor they looked in this game. Yes, and I wanted to pour one out for all of the new sports bettors in Massachusetts that got all of those free bets and said the Revs are plus five hundred. LAFC played in Champions League this week. What this is a great this is a great value. Uh, and I, I made a tweet about that, and then opening lineups came out, and actually the Revs odds got better after the lineups. I think they dropped like f plus four twenty five because people noticed Carlos Vela was out. Uh, so so actually the odds kind of swung back to the Revolution's favor a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think confidence was riding a little too high going into this game. Um, obviously it's exciting to win the first two games of the season, first time in franchise history, but there's a big difference between Charlotte FC, the Houston Dynamo and LAFC, even, even with LAFC coming off of short rest and resting, uh, Carlos Vela at the beginning of the game and, and, and kind of having a rotated squad, um, this, this was always going to be a, a very difficult challenge for the revolution. And you're right, Sean. I don't think that losing this game is a should send you into a panic, but maybe the way they lost this game should raise a lot of red flags. And I, I think you're right. There might be a little bit of deja vu of, you know, this team concedes that second goal and then they kind of just broke. Uh, that back line was all over the place. This game should have been more than four nothing. Uh, there was maybe a 15 minute span after that second goal where it just seemed like the back line was in shambles. We reached Brad Friedel era level of where exactly are the outside backs right now? Um, just all over the place. Petrovic was standing on his head a little bit. Certainly impressed the LAFC fans. Uh, I, I'm sure he, he put on a show for them. But um, yeah, uh, not a good game and a lot of concerning things that happened in the game. But in terms of the actual result, I'm not panicked about this. And gambling odds for Major League Soccer are inefficient and not 100%. So I, I usually don't base a ton off of gambling odds. But if you look at the odds of the first three games, Charlotte was expected to be a draw, I'd say. It was probably a 50-50 Charlotte win, according to the odds. Uh, so if you take a, a point out of that game, I think the odds would kind of support that. It was certainly an upset that the Revs won in Charlotte. They were minus 150 favorites against Houston. So that's, I'll say, an expected win. And then uh, LAFC was minus 200 or better favorites in this game. So if you, you go by, by the odds, the Revs are supposed to have four points through three games. Really, you, you'd be happy with four points through three games. I think if you talk to most fans at the beginning of the season... If you said, we'll give you four points for these first three games, I think a lot of people would take it, especially considering all of the injury issues coming into camp, um, Gustavo Bo reporting late to camp. 
So the Revs are still sitting with six points, and they've got their hardest game out of the way. So I don't think it's full panic mode, but I, I certainly think there are a lot of things that need to be addressed by the Revolution. Yeah, and and again, just looking forward, you know, they have Nashville next weekend. Nashville unbeaten so far this season, two zero and one. They haven't conceded a goal through three games. Um, that game will tell us a lot. Um, I think the Revolution again, the Revolution's offense. Um, we talk about the defense in this game. The defense looked okay, uh, kind of up until that 67th minute or 60th minute where everything kind of fell apart. Um, the offense looked pretty inept throughout this game. Uh, and again, you know, Gustavo Bo, uh, I mean, you know, Carlos Hill didn't start this game. Gustavo Bo started as the number 10. I think that's a, a, a big problem, um, for the revolution when Carlos Hill is out. Uh, if the revolution go in to play Nashville at home, um, without Carlos Hill, a Nashville team that's conceded zero goals all season, uh, that, that'll be a very difficult task for the revolution. Um, so, you know, not panicking over this LAFC result, uh, but I do think this Nashville game coming up will tell us a lot about how the Revs react to this. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about Carly's heel later, but to see him go, you know, not start this game and then leave this game with an injury, uh, that is particularly worrying too when you look going forward. Yeah. And by the way, if you got any free bets remaining, uh, Massachusetts betters, uh, if you loved the Revs at plus 500 uh, this week, boy, you must love Revs Nashville 0 0 final score next week. Um, that, that has the makings of a very boring, boring game. Um, my key takeaway here is going to be uh, pray for Carlos Hill. Uh, we saw what the Revs did without him. We saw what the Revs did with Gustavo Bo kind of in that 10 role. And when Gar- Carlos Hill was out in 2021, Gustavo Bo really stepped up. Uh, he really stepped up kind of in that playmaker role. Uh, a very good season from Gustavo Bo in 2021. 15 goals and 9 assists. 2021 Gustavo Bo and 2023 Gustavo Bo. I think there's some differences here. And I, I don't think what we saw last night from Gustavo Bo is going to be his best performance of the season, or it might not even be him at 100%. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But there is a very clear drop-off from Carlos Heel to Gustavo Bo. There was a drop-off in 2021. There's a much, much greater difference in 2023. And I think the lack of offense, the lack of opportunity the Revolution got out of that game is staggering. Um, what we saw from... Gustavo Bo in the 10, Bobby Wood, uh, Dylan Barrero up top. Really, really not an effective game uh, whatsoever. So I'm hoping Carlos Hill's health is 100% because if he is out for a long period of time, um, that is going to be a problem because outside of Gustavo Bo, I'm not sure who is filling that 10 role. Yeah, you're completely right. And looking at Carlos Hill, the first two games of the season, you know, we talked about weren't his best performances even, but um, still, when he's out in the field, he's drawing a lot of defenders. And part of the reasons he didn't perform well in those first two games is because he was getting marked by multiple guys uh, at all times. And in doing so, you free up guys like Dylan Barrero um, to get to get open and get creative and, and have more space out there. And that obviously didn't happen in this game. Um, you know, with uh, less than 100% Gustavo Bo, or at least fitness-wise, probably, um, you know, he's not drawing the same attention that Carly's heel is drawing, and nor should he be. Uh, so, you know, that the openings for guys like Dylan Barrero were not there in this game. The openings for guys like Noel Buck were not there in this game the way they were when Carly's heel was playing, even when Carly's heel wasn't playing at his best. Um, so, if Carly's heel is out for any extended period, you know, and, and I, I don't think that's a shock to anybody. I think if we talked in, in preseason, we would have said the same thing. If Carly's heel is out for any extended period, the Revolution are certainly in trouble and are not going to be as dangerous a team. And I think I need to find a different way to play uh, than what they did in this game. I don't think that diamond with Gustavo Bo at the 10 uh, is going to work if Carly's heel is out for any extended period. Um, and, you know, maybe they're limited in what they can do, even switching things up. Uh, you know, if there was a time to play a 5-3-2 or a 3-5-2 or whatever, however you want to look at it, um, that might be when Carly's heel is out. Uh, but with Andrew Farrell also out, uh, that makes that decision a lot more difficult as well. Yeah, Gustavo Bo one pass into the final third uh, yesterday. Uh, there were some contributions around him. Barrero had five passes into the final third. Buck had five. Uh, Dewan Jones had six. Matt Polster had four. Latif Bussing had three. So really, the ability to move the ball up came from other areas than uh, Gustavo Bo. There was a really p- pretty clear difference between uh, Bo and Heal. Heal, I think, was able to drop into the midfield a little bit more and kind of add some support to possess the ball, whereas Bo seemed like he really wanted to get up in the attack. Um, it really to me, seemed more like a 4-4-3. I don't know if that was intentional, but um, yeah, was not impressed with Gustavo Bo in that role. I thought he was pretty ineffective overall. Um, Sean, before we get to listener questions, anyone besides Petrovic, was there anyone that had a good game yesterday? I was trying to think about this. I don't know if anyone had a, a really positive performance overall. I know you mentioned Latif Blessing, but then he had that error. I thought Noel Buck played 
pretty fine um, considering the circumstances. I thought Polster had a good opening half. Um, he had a, a couple of really nice plays uh, sending Dewan Jones down the wing um, and, and kind of helping them play out of the back. But it seemed like LAFC frustrated him uh, more and more as time went on and kind of took him out. Anyone have a good performance that we should talk about? Uh, no, they didn't. I thought the center back pairing was the worst game they've had. Um, we've talked, we praised them so much the first two games. Um, I thought both of them were pretty poor in this one. Uh, Brandon Bay had a bad game, especially defensively. Dewan Jones defensively had a bad game. Uh, he got beat on one of those goals and got turned by, um, I think it was Mwanga. Uh, it was just a, a very bad overall performance from everybody out there. Uh, Dylan Barrero, who we praised so much the first two games, I thought he had a terrible game. Uh, one of his worst games in a Revolution uniform. Uh, very disappointing performance from him. Um, you know, Bobby Wood, I thought was okay. Uh, he didn't have much help uh, he, when he did win the ball and was able to hold it up. He didn't have really people to pass it to. So I don't blame him too much for this. Um, but again, you know, like I've said before, I think if the revolution are relying on Bobby Wood, even with as well as he played those first two games, um, they're not going to go very far in the playoffs. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't think anyone comes away with a lot of credit. Uh, if we look at the bench, I thought Justin Rennix in very limited minutes um, had a couple of nice contributions. Uh, but even that, I think, is a little bit of a stretch. Um, and Damian Marrera came on in the 90th minute, had a shot and a key pass uh, in very limited minutes. So I guess give give him credit. Eight touches just in stoppage time. Um, you, again, you can't you can't draw much on you know, just playing stoppage time. But um, if you want to look at a very very small sample size, uh, he did a lot in very limited time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's get to some listener questions. We have a ton, so we'll kind of start them early today. Chris says, are we reading too much into Bo's lack of impact tonight, considering his lack of preseason and only game time being minutes with Revs 2? Should he be given the opportunity to start against Nashville, potentially alongside Vrioni up front? We have a related question here, so we'll kind of two for one. Um, uh, Golden Hand says, why did Bo start after no preseason is the only thing to really ask. LAFC is on a different level. Uh, so let, let's start with the decision to what, why did Bo start tonight? Um, and are you reading a lot into it considering his lack of preseason? I think he started because of desperation um, when with Carly's heel, apparently not ready to start this game, or at least, you know, Bruce Arena being cautious about it. You don't really have another option, right? With, you know, there's no Nacho heel. He's not available. Tommy McNamara is not available. Um, you know, we know Bruce Arena doesn't like to start, you know, Boateng. So you didn't really have another option. And especially playing that number 10 role, Gustavo Bo, like you said, has had, you know, a little bit of success there in emergency situations for the Revs. Um, so he got his, I think he did both play 60 minutes for Revs too earlier in the week. Um, yes, so 60 minutes, 60 minutes against Hartford. Yes. Yeah. So I think Bruce saw that, you know, he helped build up his fitness in that game and, and, you know, was ready to play in this game. Ideally not starting him, but I, I think it's just desperation is why he played. Cause who else do you put in there? Do you trust Damian Rivera to start the number 10 role after what we've seen from him? Um, and again, you know, I think maybe if Andrew Farrell is there, you consider playing a, a five, three, two, um, and, you know, allow your fullbacks more freedom to push forward while being more sound with the center back position. But, uh, without Andrew Farrell, do you want to start Omar Gonzalez and do that? I, I think that would have, could have resulted in an even worse loss. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a desperation play why he played, um, and for the second question about whether, you know, we should give him kind of a pass, uh, I think we should, um, again, it's a very difficult game to play your first game out of position. Um, you know, it wasn't a good performance, but it, it, especially, you know, we haven't even mentioned the fact that he gave away that penalty kick, um, which is, you know, really unfortunate running back defensively and, and committing on uh, a cutback. Um, you know, that was, uh, that set the revs in a very bad, put the revs in a very bad place because up until that point they were playing okay. Um, so again, very very poor performance from Gustavo Bo, but it, it is too soon to panic. Uh, you know, I've been kind of vocal that the Revolution probably should move on from him given his age and injury history. Um, but I'm not panicking over this one result. I think he should get another opportunity to start, preferably up top, um, if 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 the guys that are available allow for that. Uh, you know, but am I a little bit concerned with Gustavo Bo? Yes, I was before this game. This game didn't change that at all in either direction uh, until we see him get the chance to stay up, play up top, maybe with Frioni. Um, you know, we don't really know what he can offer at his age 33 season yet. Bruce Arena was asked about Gustavo Bo last night. Here's the full quote. Quote, this is tough on Gustavo to have to play him 60 minutes tonight. We knew it was going to be a little bit of an issue. We played him out of position because there was an injury to Carlos. We look forward to getting him fitter and putting him in a more comfortable position on the field. I read that as wasn't expected to get, wasn't the plan, plan A wasn't 60 minutes for Gustavo Bo, and plan A certainly wasn't to play him where Carlos plays. So my guess is that the role we saw Vrioni play, the 30 minutes off of the bench, 
that was supposed to be Gustavo Bo. I'm I'm guessing that we were supposed to see Gustavo Bo and Vrioni come in for Barrero and Wood in the last around the 30 minute 30 minutes to go around the 60 minute mark. Um, but they had to stretch him out to 60, and then they were hoping Carlos Hill could play 30 minutes. Um, that's my interpretation. I I don't think this was Plan A, and I think that the injury kind of forced Bruce's hands because. Beyond Gustavo Bo, who is replacing Carlos Hill, Jack P wasn't available last night. They seem like they're really, they don't want to throw Esmir out there. Um, he wasn't available. I think they don't think he's ready for that spot. Damien Rivera is is the, is right. I mean, who, who else do they have to play that 10 role? So then you're talking about a formation change. Uh, and I, I think Bruce probably just didn't want to completely disassemble everything they've practiced uh, and hoped maybe a like-for-like switch um, w- would do the trick. And to be fair, I, I think they did hold off the LAFC for a while, uh, for, for 60 minutes until everything kind of fell apart. Um, they, they weren't really out of that game completely. Obviously, the early penalty kick didn't help them, um, but the lack of offense was very, very concerning. And um, yeah, it, it, it didn't work. Yeah, it, I mean, LA didn't look particularly threatening um, in the first half for the most part, uh, except for that penalty kick. Uh, which is you know, really unfortunate for the Revs. I think the Revs did a pretty good job of actually maintaining possession um, early on in this game. And you know, just that unfortunate move where Gustavo Bo overcommitted to getting back and, and making a, a play on a ball where he shouldn't have made, um, put the Revs behind the eight ball. But they, they started this game okay. It was the offense that really looked anemic uh, throughout this game. And more, more worrying, again, <laughs> that all changed in the second half. But in the first half, the Revolution were in this game um, outside of that penalty kick. Well, let's get to Chris's second question. Uh, should Bo be given the opportunity to start against Nashville, potentially alongside Verioni up front? I think he should, yeah. I think um, especially if, if Carlos Hill is out, I think the revolution should be putting Gustavo Bo out there. Um, he needs to – we know he's a guy that kind of regains his his form through playing, um, and sometimes that takes him longer than you'd like. But you know, with, with the injuries the revolution have, I think Gustavo Bo needs to be out there right now. Uh, Chris also asks us, uh, really struggled in the final third tonight. Uh, Wooden Bow ha- with no positive impact on the game. Question, do you think we have anyone on the roster who looks like they can step up and claim that forward position? If so, who? I, I think it's Bobby Woods at the moment. Um, I, you know, Giacomo Vrioni needs to come good for the Revs. Um, I have no faith in Josie Altador being that guy. We, we haven't seen him yet this season. He was available, didn't play in this game. Um, you know, Justin Renex, I think, is is going to be playing more of a winger role this year. And I, even if he wasn't, I have no faith in him claiming that. So I think right now it's kind of Bobby Wood until Giacomo Vrioni can find his form. Uh, and we haven't seen evidence of him doing that yet. Uh, but I'm not giving up hope that that's going to happen yet. Uh, but it needs to be him that kind of claims that number nine spot. Um, and that's not writing off Gustavo Bo. I think Gustavo Bo uh, could still offer a lot to the revolution this season if he you know, gets his form back. Uh, but I don't think that's as a solo, solo striker. That's more as a secondary striker um, if the revolution have a formation to play two, two strikers up top. Uh, Aug is also asking about Gustavo Bo. He says, what is Bo's role in this formation slash team sheet? So where does Gustavo Bo fit on the revolution right now? So if the revolution are going to keep trying this diamond, uh, I think ultimately, I think uh, Barrero needs to be moved back into the midfield um, and, you know, start or rotate uh, with Blessing and Buck. Um, I think that we've seen him be able to play narrow for Colombia, and I think that the revolution could use him there as well. And then you have up top, you have Gustavo Bo paired with either Giacomo Vrioni or Bobby Wood, uh, depending on who's in form and, and who can figure it out. Um, it, you know, again, I think there's a lot of room this season for rotation. I don't think anyone should be playing, you know, every game. Um, I think it's going to be a very busy schedule. So there's there's opportunities for all these guys to get minutes. But I think ideally, if you're going to go with this diamond formation that the revolution have been going with, eventually you have to move Barrero back into midfield. Uh, and it, we've seen him be effective there. Uh, you know, for for other teams, I don't see why he can't be effective there for the Revs. Uh, he was not effective up top in this game, that's for sure. So I think that's you know maybe fits his his skill set better. Uh, and it's also kind of crazy with all the forwards on this Revolution roster to be playing you know a midfielder up top, in my opinion. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I think in the ideal situation, Burrow's back in that midfield, either next to Blessing or next to Buck, and then you have Gustavo Bo up top with another striker. 
So let, I got a question here for Derek. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit because while we're talking about Barrero, he says, after seeing Barrero play well as a cam, uh, as a central attacking midfielder for Columbia, should him and Bo's starting position have been switched for tonight? Uh, playing the 10 is a lot to ask for Bo after no preseason, and he is a better he's better in a striker pairing. Um, I think he would have found more success up top with Wood. So you're talking about playing him kind of on the side of a diamond, Sean. Yeah. Would you, do you like the idea of maybe playing Barrero as a 10? I like that idea better than Gustavo Bo. I don't think it's a good. I don't. I don't think any of the options the Revs have as number ten with Carlos Hill out are good. Um, I, I'd rather see him more as kind of a two-way guy behind Carlos Hill as kind of a connecting piece. Uh, but yeah, I think I think if Carlos Hill is out, I'd rather see Barrero there um, and Gustavo Bo up top than Barrero up top and Gustavo Bo at the ten. Because uh, I don't think Barrero was effective, and I don't think Bo was effective in the, in, in the roles last night. It reminds me of when the Revs played, tried playing Christian Pania as kind of a 10, and that really did not work whatsoever. Um, and I, I think he really struggled. But Barrero is a lot quicker and more agile. I, I worry that you take away a lot of space if you put him into that spot. But um, yeah, I, I, I think he is going to give you a lot more than Gustavo Bo. I think Gustavo Bo at this stage, putting him on the wing or putting him in as a 10, I don't think he can do that as well anymore i don't think he's as quick i don't think he's gonna have as many chances to score as he would in a previous year i think you really need him up top and especially if you're playing in a two striker pairing um and i I think that's gonna make it easier for i'll say bobby wood uh that they can kind of play off of each other whereas barrero i think is a striker still don't think that's his best position either i think you really want him as a winger or in the midfield uh to kind of carry the ball over some lines so and I think an ideal situation when if Nacho Hill was healthy and Carlos Hill was out, you'd maybe play a more traditional 4-4-2 with Barrero and Nacho on the wings. But they don't really have those options, again, unless Bruce is willing to start Ima Boateng. And I don't think Bruce likes starting him, like I said earlier. And I also don't think Boateng is as effective as a starter as he is as a sub. I think in a perfect world, I, in my mind, if we're using if we have these same personnel next week and Carlos Hill is out, I'd love to see Blessing move up and kind of play that 10 and then go with Barrero and Buck in the diamond. I, I think that would be a, a much better fit. So I agree with you there. I also want to point out too, the Revs are missing some people in midfield. Um, you know, Maciel is obviously out, uh, but beyond uh, who was available yesterday to replace a central midfielder. Um, if there's another injury in the central midfield, uh, there's a real problem because Tommy McNamara is out right now. So, I mean, I think they used Justin Rennicks in the diamond uh, yesterday. Uh, beyond that, Christian McCoon is is available as a midfielder, I think. Um, They're really lacking bodies right now in the midfield, uh, which which is not great when you have a a diamond formation and you're using, you know, three or or four central midfielders. So um, hopefully hopefully they can stay healthy for a few more weeks. Um, uh, The the players that are playing stay healthy for a few more weeks until they get some reinforcements. So um, Matt says, I'm worried about our attack in general against teams with a good defense. Our strikers, Bo, Wood, Rioni, didn't look all that threatening from a goal scoring standpoint and the passing in the final third was simply kind of a mess. Agree hundred um, percent. I think we've kind of touched on that, Sean. Anything you want to add? No, it's a very accurate statement. <laughs> Do you agree this team is making the same mistakes as last year? And someone else made a similar co- comment too, that they are getting deja vu from 2022. Do you think this team is making similar mistakes as they did uh, in 2022, Sean? I mean, they didn't the first two games. They they did in this one. Again, I'm not hitting the panic button yet. I I think this Nashville game will tell us a lot. Um, but you know, when we talk about the same mistakes as last year. What kind of surprised me in this one is you know when the Revolution were down one nothing, they really tried to at least in the second half again when they made those substitutions, they almost went for it too soon. I thought and leaving their back line exposed. Um, which is how this game kind of got out of hand, you know, uh, which is a little bit surprising to me from, from Bruce Arena. At one nothing down, you know, you're, you're still very much in this game, even late. Um, but it almost seemed like Bruce, which is, again, not what he usually would do, went for it too much in the second half, um, pushed by and Jones up more. And, and that's what really left them exposed and in trouble and why this game ballooned from one nothing to 4 nothing. I think. Um, so I I'm not ready to say they're making the same mistakes as last year. We saw it because of how this game played out. Uh, but I need to see more of a sample size to say that because, you know, the first two games of the season, they weren't making the same mistakes as last year for the most part. Next question here. Uh, I'll take this one because uh, it involves nerdy roster rules. But he says, Bo needs to be brought, bought down and a DP winger needs to be brought in, right? So first first DP, uh, DP question of the year, um, Gustavo Bo is not being bought down. 
Uh, and so the, the way this kind of works is that any player that makes more than $651,200 needs to be bought down, essentially. to uh, that, That's the maximum salary budget charge. So um, if you make $700,000, a team needs to apply allocation money, whether it be general allocation money or target allocation money, to bring you down to the maximum salary of six fifty one two. Um, I won't get into the differences between GAM and TAM right now because it is irrelevant to this question, but anyone that makes over six fifty one two hundred needs to have allocation money brought down to that number. Anyone that makes more than, I believe it's $1 million more than that, so it's around $1.65 million, anyone beyond that $1.65 million number can't have allocation money used um, on them. Uh, if you are beyond that $1.65 million number, you are a designated player. Uh, and so um, when Josie Altidore, for example, is considered a max TAM player because his salary is bought down with TAM. And by max TAM, it means he is at the maximum salary uh, before he has to be considered a designated player. So um, Gustavo Bo, I don't have his exact salary in front of me. I believe he made like $2.5 million last year. Um, someone can can check that for me. I don't know if you have it in front of you, Sean, but um, Gustavo Bo is beyond that $1.6 million number. So in order to buy down Gustavo Bo, he needs to take a pay cut of at least, I think, 750000 to a $1 million. So right off the bat, Gustavo Bo is probably not going to do that unless you were extending his contract, which ends at the end of this year. I do not think you want to extend Gustavo Bo's contract if you are the New England Revolution. Sean, would you extend Gustavo Bo's contract right now? Definitely not. Not without a lot more evidence that he still can be the Gustavo Bo he was two years ago. That is a non-negotiable thing. So if you're Gustavo Bo, your team is already kind of pushing you out. They didn't protect you in the expansion draft. It's kind of apparent they're moving on from this offseason. Why would you take a lower salary? So buying down Gustavo Bo, first off, requires him to take a pay cut. That isn't going to happen. And then on top of that, you also need to spend a million dollars in allocation money to bring him down from 1.6 to that 650 number. So that also is using a resource that is very valuable, a million dollars in GAM, which is what you would have to do in this scenario with Bo, unless you're extending him. I won't get into the finer parts of details, but that is still using a very valuable resource. A million dollars in GAM is a very valuable resource. So um, you're not buying down Gustavo Bo. Uh, and I, I, I know that this will be talked about, and I know that um, a lot of people want to open up a designated player spot. This does, buy, Buying down Gustavo Bo does not make sense. I want to move over to another question here on Discord by Macho, and this might be a scenario if you're trying to get Gustavo Bo out of, uh, if you're trying to open up a, a designated player spot, he says, should the revs buy out Gustavo Bo's contract? And Sean, I don't think we've talked about this yet, but the MLS rules have changed. Previously, there was a rule where um, in the off season, you could buy out one player's contract and it wouldn't cost you in the upcoming season. So you could buy out a designated player's contract. You could sign a check. You could give him his salary. He leaves and you get that roster relief. So you could open up a designated player spot if you bought out a designated player. You could, um, if someone was making a million dollars, you could cut up a check for a million dollars and you wouldn't have to use any sort of salary or um, allocation money against the cap uh, on that player. The rule has been changed where you can now buy out a player until the midseason. So you essentially can see how a player is doing and then buy them out midseason and open up uh, that, that salary cap space or that DP spot or that international spot for the rest of the season. So if we are looking to get Gustavo Bo off of the roster, buying out his contract makes a lot more sense. Um, Sean, do you think there's a chance the Revs buy out Gustavo Bo's contract? Not anytime soon. Uh, if he you know performs poorly and we're getting close to august you know there's always a chance um i still think it's pretty unlikely i also think that you know there might be an opportunity in the summer if he's performing poorly to have a kind of a mutual termination or let him go on a free transfer um you know there i think there are teams that would be interested in gustavo bow uh much more so than a josie altador if the revolution were willing to let him go for free and that would be another option to kind of get out from under the contract without using the buyout um but i do think that if you're the revolution you have to evaluate all your players going towards august and also evaluate what guys you might be able to bring in if there's a you know max tam guy you might be able to bring in maybe you want to hold on to gustavo both through the end of the season and buy out josie outdoor instead and use that money on that guy 
Um, so I think there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I also, you know, tend to think that if Gustavo Bo is healthy this summer and underperforming, there's probably more of an opportunity for the revs to let him go on a free transfer to another club, you know, in Argentina and Mexico, wherever he wants to go, than there would be with say a guy like Josie Altator, just because of Gustavo Bo's you know, reputation over the years and, you know, the type of player that he is. Um, I would be surprised to see the revolution have to use a buyout on him or decide to use a buyout on him. It'll be interesting. We've never seen the Revs use a buyout to that level. I think the only player they've really bought out, um, and it wasn't a mutual termination, which essentially was just rip up the contract and, and player team and player goes separate way and no money is exchanged. The only player I remember them buying out was Gabriel Somi. Uh, I, I don't int- even know if that's true. I, I think I tried to get confirmation from the team on that years ago, and I was never able to get it because they didn't term that as a buyout either. They termed that as a mutual termination or mutually agreed to terminate. So I'm not sure the Revolution have ever actually used a buyout, uh, which makes me less and less convinced that they ever actually would use a buyout. I don't have high hopes. Uh, and um, yeah, I think I think things would have to go very, very south with, with Gustavo Bo. Um, before that happened, um, because it would be a, a big chunk of change. If you buy him out mid-season, you're, you're talking about cutting a check of over a million dollars to get rid of a player. Um, I, I, they would have to have a, a very good designated player lined up uh, to make that happen. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but that is a more reasonable roster maneuver you can do buying out, I think, or, or sorry, um, uh, bringing down a player with Gam or Tam, um, in Gustavo Bo's case is probably not going to happen. So, um, Ryan on discord has a few more questions here. Fair to say the four, one, two, one, two, uh, on the road against the MLS cup champs was stupid. Uh, so shouldn't this club be focusing on a healthy four, two, three, one or four, three, three system that connect the midfield to a lone striker. Um, Sean, what do you think about a formation change? Uh, the diamond didn't work yesterday. Do you think it's time to move away from the diamond? I, I just don't love that formation in general. Um, I don't think it was necessarily a mistake to start in it in this game. And I, like I said, I think it works you know, decently well um, prior to that, you know, to, to Gustavo Bo giving out that penalty kick, again, at least defensively and as far as maintaining a possession. Um, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure there's any formation where the revolution would have had too much success offensively without Carly's heel against LAFC. Um, so while I'm not a huge fan of that formation, I don't think the revolution are going to abandon it. I think it allows them to play two strikers up top. And when Gustavo Bo is healthy and if Giacomo Vrioni ever finds his form, um, that's pretty ideal for them to be able to, to do that while also keeping Carly's heel at the number 10 spot. Um, you know, I'm more of a fan of a formation that uses true wingers. The revolution don't have a lot of wingers on their roster. And when Nacho Hill is out, um, unless you're starting Ima Boateng, you don't have, you know, you have guys like Noel Buck that are more central midfielders that can play on the wing. You know, maybe Jack P, um, you know, maybe Esmir, who, again, we haven't seen enough of, um, you know, Rivera, I don't trust to be starting on the wing at this point. Um, so, you know, I, I, I would like to see the revolution experiment with more formations. I'm more of a fan personally of, of a formation like a four, two, three, one that uses wingers. Um, but I think the revolution and you know Bruce Arena want to have a, two strikers out there, um, at least as long as Gustavo Bowes in the roster. Uh, so I don't think we're going to see a, a move away from this just yet. And you know what, Sean, the diamond formation doesn't always work, but you know what always does work? Promo code revs recap at GolassoKits.com. Golasso Kits' mission is to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home with a catalog of jerseys, jackets, scarves, and more from clubs and national teams from over 80 countries in the world. They have United States men's national team merch, United States women's national team merch, revs merch, merch from your favorite European club that you can support from afar. And Golasso Kits will have something you want and need from your closet. And if they don't, if you're not sure what you want, you can check out their mystery kit packages where you went in the size and style of jersey you like and Galasso will surprise you with the kit of your dreams so go check out GolassoKits.com for their full selection and make sure you follow them at GolassoKits on twitter and GolassoKits instagram on instagram for inventory updates on their new inventory uh, they have a new inventory video every single week so you'll be the first one to know what is new in their store a lot of arsenal merch this week arsenal making a run for the premier league sean are the spurs making a run for the premier league this year yeah, and not this year, maybe next year. <laughs> Matt Turner effect in full force in Arsenal and go support Matt Turner in Arsenal and get your Arsenal merch over at GolassoKits.com. When you find that Arsenal kit of your dream, make sure you use promo code REVSRECAP to save 15% off your order. That is promo code REVSRECAP at GolassoKits.com for 15% off your order. Links and code are in the show notes. They also have Spurs stuff if you want to support a more mid-table team. I should say that. You don't need to buy an Arsenal shirt. If you want to support kind of a team lower in the table, uh, like Sean, make sure you, you go get that. Let's get back to Ryan's questions. Is it time to move on from Matt Polster? I, I'm going to preface this by saying I, I thought he had a pretty good 
did a pretty decent job moving the ball, especially early in the game. If you look at his duels this season, Sean, he's less than 50% in every single game so far. Um, obviously, a very key piece of that 2021 team. Defensively, it seems like he might be lacking a little bit of step, and he has a very, very difficult job uh, on defense. Um, he he covers, has to cover a lot of ground. He's involved in that defense a lot. He had a very, very difficult job last night. Bruce Arena mentioned that in the uh, presser where he had a lot of responsibility yesterday, um, and, and it was a bit of a tough game, especially towards the end of the, the, the game there. Um, do you think it's time the Revs look to move on from Matt Polster? No, I don't. I think, uh, you know, like you said, he had a very, very difficult job in this game. He's had a very difficult job all season. You know, when the fullbacks are pushed forward, he's asked to do a lot of defending, uh, a lot of emergency defending, a lot of plugging holes that are left by those guys. You know, it's, again, not his best game. Um, but he also didn't stand out as as worse than anybody else out there. Um, He did have some good moments in this one. Um, You know, do I think the revolution should have gone out and gotten some depth behind him this offseason or now? Absolutely. Um, and maybe even some competition. Sure, that'd be good. Um, somebody that can even come in off the bench if he's having a bad game or if he tires late in the game, you know, that would all be good. But I don't think it's time to move on from Matt Polster. I don't think there's anyone on the roster that can do what he does. Um, and I think finding somebody that can do what he does is not going to be an easy task. Uh, and again, he's asked to do a lot the way the revolution play. Um, and it is a difficult task and he is going to be exposed at times because of that. Uh, but he's still the best option on the revolution to do that. And I don't know that the revolution are going to have an easy time of finding somebody to replace that or, you know, more importantly, upgrade that if you're looking to, to move on from Matt Polster. But, you know, if you want to add depth or competition there, um, I would be all for that. Yeah, if Polster gets hurt, uh, who's replacing him? Um, that stuff, especially if you're playing a diamond, I guess McCoon. Um, but Masquiel is out for the season. Um, I don't like Buck as a six in the diamond there. I think you really want him kind of playing more in the middle of the diamond there. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if anyone on this roster can replace what Matt Polster does. Um, so I, I think getting a defensive midfielder, at least for depth, uh, would be wise. Um, Ryan also says, are these best, are these backs the best that we can do? That was a poor game from the the back line. I I still think there's a lot of quality on that, that back line between Romney Kessler by and Dewan Jones. I, I, I'm not hitting the panic button on that. I I think there was probably just some communication breakdowns. First two games, they look pretty solid. Any issues you, you think with the back line? Have you changed your opinion on that back four yet? No, I mean, they were shaky in this game. Absolutely. They all made mistakes. Every everyone across the back line, you can point to mistakes they made in this one. Um, it was kind of a reality check after the first two games. Uh, but, you know, I'm not I'm, I wouldn't be ready to move on from those guys yet. One thing I did find interesting is, is Bruce Arena was asked about um, Dewan Jones after the game and he pointed to his potential. He has, he has very good potential and he's still learning. Um, which is interesting from a guy that, you know, a couple of years ago almost was, was up for defender of the year and played really good. And everyone said he was off to Europe. And now, you know, two years later, he's talking about him still learning and having potential. And maybe that wasn't how that quote should be interpreted. Um, but at his age, it feels like we shouldn't be talking about potential anymore. He was drafted four years ago. I think the potential thing is, uh, you know, his potential is now. Uh, uh, I, right. I, what is he? What is he? Twenty five at this point. What is it? Fourth, fourth or fifth year in the league? Right. He was drafted yeah, twenty five. So I mean, at, at twenty five, we shouldn't be talking about your potential anymore. And that just that quote just struck me a little bit odd. Turns turns twenty six in June. Again, though, similar pollster probably could use some depth at the outside backs. Uh, Ryan Spaulding missed this game, so, so your backup backs are what? McCoon at left back and. But Bulma wasn't available. Also, we're not, we haven't talked about Bulma. For a guy that the Revs spent $250,000 on GAM not making the game day roster, a little concerning. Um, I, I'm Pay attention to if Bulma makes the bench from here on out because he's not on the injury list, and I, he doesn't seem to have a role in on this team to me. I, I'm very confused at how he has zero role um, because he's he's they moved up for him in the draft, and... He does not seem to have a, a spot on this team. So I, I thought maybe he'd be a utility backup wingback type player, not even on the game day roster, not on the injury report. Um, talk about a red flag right off the bat. Um, you know, Vrioni is a red flag <laughs> being bent on the bench uh, for two of the first three games of the season. Bohm was a bit of a red flag, uh, not even making the game day roster. And there's a lot of need out in the midfield. Um, there are not too many bodies there. Um, yeah, red, red flags all over the place in terms of, uh, what we thought was, uh, some really strong depth coming into the season. So, uh, is there a chance at home field playoffs? Um, if, uh, Carlos Hill is injured, uh, well, doesn't everyone get a home field game now? Is that, is that the rules now? I, I they change it every year. I, I, you know, there's going to be that 
um, three leg playoff, right, for the first round. But is that is that um, I, I it's the playoff form- format is so confusing at this point. It's ridiculous. But yeah, so if they if they make the playoffs and get past the, the initial one game playing round, which I think still exists, then they would get a home game. But you know, if Carly's heel is out for you know any extended period and i'm talking multiple months uh then the revolution being you know a top four or five seed in the east is extremely unlikely uh, i'll channel my uh inner inner jim mora playoffs we're talking about playoffs <laughs> right at that at that point it is just you know, doing what you can to make the playoffs and even making the playoffs would be kind of impressive if, if carlis is out for multiple months mm-hmm. uh what signings do we need in the summer sean uh might be a little premature to talk about summer signings, but we've talked about depth at defensive midfield. Uh, we've talked about depth at wing back. Could use a winger, I'd say, um, especially if they go back to the four two three one. Uh, where else do you think the Revs are going to need to go uh, in the summer? No, I mean your list is completely accurate. Um, those are the, the first places you look to. Um, you you hope that somebody emerges up top. Uh, or that Rioni becomes good and, and kind of becomes that player the Revs think he's going to be. Um, if that doesn't happen, then you know you, I, I, I don't know if there's much opportunity to do anything about it, uh, given how this roster is shaped up. But I think the positions you named are accurate. You know, Petrovic is not going to be here forever. If there's an opportunity to bring in a backup goalkeeper that has the potential to overtake Petrovic, or not overtake Petrovic, but replace Petrovic when he's gone, um, I, I think you maybe consider that. Um, I think they did that last year with, with Diop and it didn't necessarily work out. But I think if you have, see an opportunity to do that and find someone that's an upgrade to, to Earl Edwards to potentially be the starter when Petrovic is gone, you do that. But, um, you know, otherwise, like you said, fullbacks, they need depth there. Um, I think defensive midfield, they need depth there. You know, if they're going to play with wingers at any point, they could probably use you know, not just depth, but maybe a, a better a better starter than Nacho Heel or an option other than Nacho Heel to start um, on the wing. So, yeah, those are those are the positions that I'm looking at with the caveat that you know, there's there's still a lot of questions that striker. But I don't really think realistically the revolution are going to be able to fix that this summer, you know, absent selling somebody in addition to bringing somebody in. Michael, every now and then we get a comment that nails nail on the head. Uh, Michael's got the nail on the head comment tonight. There were a few, but this one's a good one. I'm not even mad that they lost. I'm mad at how they lost. Hard to believe the Revs were the team with eight days of rest. The effort and urgency to score just wasn't there. I'm still questioning Bruce's decision to keep Frioni on the bench. How can he possibly improve like that? Uh, Sean, do you question the decision to keep Frioni on the bench? And do you think it's just time that Bruce runs him out there and sees what he has in him? I think at some point he has to. Um, I, I mean, he, he got... 30 minutes in this game and didn't look good in those those minutes, um, which is is troubling. You know, <laughs> Bobby Wood, given what we've seen from Brioni, gave the Revolution the best chance to win this game. So I don't blame Bruce for starting him in this game. Um, he hit the nail on the head that with eight days rest and LA on short rest, LA, LA looked the more rested team and they were you know better late than the Revs were. They never looked like they tired. Uh, so, you know, I, I, again, I think Vrioni does need to run out at some point. I don't blame him for not giving him the run out in this game. Um, you know, maybe Nashville is the time to do it, especially if, if well, if, if Carly's out, then it's not really a fair assessment. Um, but there's there's been nothing I've seen from Vrioni in his substitute appearances to tell me that he's, you know, chomping out the bit and needs to get more minutes over Bobby Wood, um, which is unfortunate and a problem for the revolution going forward. Mm-hmm. He's ineffective. You'd think a, a super sub is coming in, changing the game, shows a lot of effort. I don't see a lot of energy off the bench um, from him. So I don't know. I'm curious to see how this unfolds. I understand Bruce wanting to maybe stay with the hot hand and stay with Bobby Wood. I kind of get that. I I get he didn't want to change too much week over week after it worked so well in Houston and the Carlos Hill injury kind of screwed it up. But I I think you are going to hit a point where you're going to need to play Vrioni. And it says more about Vrioni than anything else um, if you're just going to keep sitting him on the bench. So if I'm Bruce, I think you play Rioni next week. Uh, and I, I think he's in there until un, un, you give him a string of games. If the string of games are poor and you have to bench him, you have to bench him. But um, I think it's time you you, you got to throw him out there. You, you have to see what you have in this guy. So um, it, it's been nine months. He's been here nine months. He came off the bench in this one, played, you know, came in the 62nd minute, had five touches as a super sub with the revolution trying to push forward, which is not great. <laughs> And I also, you know what, I know I've said this like three or four times, so I apologize to our listeners that that I've said this a million times. We got to stop comparing Vrioni and Buxa. 
I am so tired of seeing people say, well, Adam Buxa had a bad first year. Adam Buxa, I think he had three or four good shots in that Montreal game. He forced some saves in his first game against Montreal. He scored in his second game. He scored in his fourth game. The reason he was ineffective is because he relies on service and Carlos Hill was out for most of the 2020 season. We had uh, our running joke in 2020, Buxa Island, that he just doesn't didn't get any touches because no one was able to get him the ball. Um, he showed a lot of ability in... in you know, his aerial ability and, and his finishing was just a little bit off. Frioni's not in the right spots. I mean, we aren't seeing him get a lot of chances at all. He's completely ineffective. So there's a major, major discrepancy from Vrioni, where Vrioni is at this point in his career with the Revolution through three or 400 minutes, and where Adam Buxa was in three or 400 minutes. Adam Buxa was was much better in his first few hundred minutes than, than Vrioni. It's just a lot of people judged books as a designated player and had higher expectations. And, you know, when the goal, when he had that eight or nine or 10 game uh, goal is span, um, you know, that's when they thought he was a bust. But I think that had more to do with the fact that Carlos Hill was out and, and the roster was a bit of a mess. And really, I don't, I don't think has that same excuse. And we're also seeing books hit the post a lot too, in the crossbar and, you know, snake bitten to a certain extent. <laughs> you know, Rioni has played 112 minutes this season. He has one shot. Yeah. Yeah, Bu- Bu- yeah, Buxa would hit the post, and you know he was an inch off from scoring. Vrioni isn't close to scoring. There's a really big difference, and and again, very small sample. You don't win the Austrian Golden Boot by accident. You don't play for Juventus by accident. I'm sure there's talent there. I haven't seen it, and I think saying, "Well, Buxa was bad, so you know, let's have faith that he's going to come through." Uh, I think that that logic needs to be thrown out the door. I. I'm I'm done with that comment because they're two different players at the stage. Rant over. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, we could perform if Carlos Hill was out. Uh, can we do the same, or, or is this just uh, LAFC as a giant? What can you do, kind of thing? Um, should we be worried about a Carlos Hill injury? We've answered those questions. By the way, this is from the Anime Stoner on Twitter. We've answered those questions, so I, I think we'll skip it. But thank you for the question. Uh, they also say uh, Nashville is not easier. Nashville is not easy either. Can we bounce back? Um, that's a good question. And this kind of goes to what we saw in 2022 with some uh, momentum going against the Revs and how can they battle back? I don't know if they bounce back against Nashville. I'm expecting a zero, zero draw. I'm expecting a very boring game. Uh, I'm, I, I, I'm expecting Nashville to bunker and I have no confidence in this offense right now. So I don't think they get three points. Uh, I, I think they get a draw. I mean, if there's no Carly's heel, I have very, very difficult time seeing where the goal comes from, except maybe on a set piece. Um, I don't see them scoring from the run of play without Carly's heel against Nashville, given how good defensively they are. And then it's just a question of, you know, do the revolution get caught on a counterattack by Nashville or a set piece by Nashville and, and drop all the points. But, um, you know, where do the goals come from without Carly's heel, if not from a set piece, I think. Bobby Wood. um revs fan live says a lot of guys a lot of different guys that don't seem to know how to play with each other everyone looks like they're playing out of position or they don't seem comfortable in their spot wrong tactics or wrong players i have no idea Uh, i say yes sean anything to add (laughs) yeah yeah i mean a lot of guys were playing not in their best spot or at least gustavo bow and i still don't know that barrero's best spot is kind of up top as a striker anyway so um yeah, I'll, wrong, 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 uh, wrong positions for a bunch of guys in this game, and you know some of that was desperation. Some of that was you know, maybe, maybe Barrera should have been a midfield bow up top or something like that. Emily says we constantly lost possession. We showed no fight to win the ball back. No attacking presence slash hold up play whatsoever. What do we do about the lack of depth on our roster? How do we feel about our captain acting the way he has lately? Uh, and is our defense really better this year? First off, let's talk about, um, uh, well, we've already kind of talked about the lack of depth on the roster. Uh, let's handle the defense question, Sean, because two games in, we were feeling really good about it. I thought the Romney-Kessler pairing was a center back pairing we've been dreaming about for years. Um, do you think the Revolution defense is better than it was last year? I do. I think it's better than it was last year, but I don't think it's as good as people thought it was after the first two games. Um, I, I think realistically, this is it's not a team that's going to shut out the top teams in the league. Um, Houston and Charlotte, not the top teams in the league. Both of them, I think, are, are have lost every game so far this year. And those are the two teams the Revs beat. Um, so, you know, I think the Revs defense is better than what we saw in this game, but maybe not as good as what we saw in the first two games. And all of that adds up to still better, still better than last year. Uh, and still, you know, I'm not too concerned about the defense this season. Uh, honestly, more concerned about the offense after this last game. 
Uh, and getting to Emily's other question, how do we feel about our captain acting the way he has lately? This specifically uh, mentioned, is referencing when Carlos Hill is coming off in the 90th minute. He seems to have re-aggravated his injury. I would need to look at the uh, Bruce Arena quote, but he came off sore, uh, not 100% clearly. Uh, a trainer offers him a water bottle, and uh, he slaps it out of the trainer's hand. Um, so, uh, yeah, what's your thoughts on Carlos Hill uh, and that particular incident? I mean, I don't love it. I think it's disrespectful to the trainer, but at the same time, this one bothers me less than what we've seen in the other games. I, you know, I completely understand, you know, he was had an injury this, this, you know, week in training, minor injury, muscle injury, and then either re-aggravated or got a different muscle injury in this game. Of course, he's extremely frustrated. He's had muscle injuries in the past that have kept him out for a while. Um, I, I get it. They're losing the game. He's extremely frustrated in that situation late there. I think they're already down three, nothing at that point, or maybe even four, nothing at that point. Um, doesn't surprise me that he's frustrated. It doesn't bother me that much, even though I don't love it. I'm more bothered by the other games where he gets completely frustrated by refereeing decisions. And to some extent, it seems like it throws him out of the game and gives him to stop playing for a minute while he's arguing rather than, you know, playing to the whistle. So that, that frustrates me more than what we saw in this game. Uh, arena said on Carlos Hill's health status, uh, Carlos had a little bit of a muscle strain and we knew we were only going to play him 30 minutes today. Uh, also asked about if he had any clarity about his availability for Nashville arena said, no, not at this point. Um, I thought Bruce arena said that he aggravated, it was either another muscle or the same muscle. Uh, it's, it's not in the quotes that the revs sent out. Um, but I believe Seth McComer from the bet musket reported that, uh, Carles suffered another muscle injury in this game. Bruce said, yeah, it, it wasn't clear if it was a different muscle or the same muscle. I might have to go back and watch the video and find it. It's a little annoying that it's not in the quotes. Um, is what it is. I don't, I don't think he clear. I don't think he specifically said, he just said he suffered another muscle injury. It was the quote that, uh, Seth and Jeff Lemieux both tweeted out. Hmm. Okay. Well, there's that. So, um, but yeah, in terms of the uh, behavior of Carlos Hill, uh, it's certainly not good. And Matt Polster had the armband yesterday. I, I wouldn't be opposed to uh, maybe moving that armband around uh, if Carlos Hill uh, continues to act this way. I don't think he'll take it very well, uh, but um, it's it's a little childish. Uh, it's funny when I when I you know. I have a three-month-old daughter. Uh, last night, my, my wife took the daughter, said, you watch the game. You don't have to worry about her. And I said, boy, this is great. I don't have to deal with a baby throwing a tantrum at 1 a.m. But there I was watching Carlos Hill slap a water bottle out of the trainer's hands. So. <laughs> Rally Revs fan says, what does Carlos hate more, water or snow? Uh, seems he's against all forms of H2O. That is true. Carlos Hill, anti-snow, anti-water. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> He might he might hate referees more than both though. <laughs> uh, Randy LH uh, blessing and Petro seem like the only bright spots for me. Everyone else looked overmatched, especially in the second half. Who starts at striker against Nashville? Have we have we gone on record yet? I know we, we've had a lot of variations of this question. Um, who who do we think is starting? Do we know? Do we do we? I, I don't think we've gone on record, and nothing would surprise me. But I, I think Gustavo Bo. I think they play two strikers, and I think it's Gustavo Bo and Bobby Wood. Just because Vioni hasn't hasn't shown anything. Hmm. Interesting. I I can't say it's not going to be Josie. Uh, you know, I would never say never. Oh, I would. Over under three appearances for Josie this season. Yeah. For the reps. I, th I think that number sounds about right. <laughs> uh, Ryan Duplicia, there was a lot of bad passing. What happened? Uh, Petrovic was great, but his distribution still needs some work for sure. I guess just regroup and get ready for the Nashville game. I, I'm glad we got a question about Petrovic's distribution. Uh, there were a couple of turnovers uh, yesterday uh, from Petrovic in their own half, uh, so not very great. It seemed like the passing actually was pretty fine for the Revs in the first half. It just seems like they got sloppy towards the end, especially when the game got out of hand. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think that you know, again, I think they started this game okay, um, and the possession was pretty good. And, you know, even after that penalty kick, they looked okay in the first half possessing the ball, not creating chances. Um, but it, it just it fell apart in the second half for whatever reason. I don't know, you know, Bruce, again, in the 60-minute minute came, they made those subs, and they told everyone to push forward, and um, just the shape and everything fell apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alexander Dolan says there's a difference between LAFC's level of quality and squad depth versus the rest of the league. That is very clear tonight. They are two to three deep at almost every single possession position, and the second and third guy could start for a lot of teams in the league. Uh, probably very true. Uh, Sam Minton says, who impressed you most from LAFC, and are you pressing the panic button after Heels' muscle injury? 
uh, Tillman was one guy that stood out to me his first start for LAFC and he really <laughs> caused the Rebels a lot of problems dribbling um, you know going through the revolution scoring that goal I thought he was extremely impressive uh, you know Buanga looked really good and we knew that from kind of the I watched the Champions League game he was really good in that game so that didn't surprise me uh, but Tillman was the guy that we didn't know as much about that really stood out to me uh, what, what was the second question uh, are you hitting the panic button after heels muscle injury uh, until we know more, no, but uh, it's close to it. If we find out, you know, I, you have to wonder if there's going to be another one where he ends up on the uh, injury report is questionable for two months and doesn't play. But, um, you know, we don't know enough yet to hit the panic button, but it's certainly concerning. Panic button scale, where are we? One to ten. Uh, it's early in the season. Don't know enough. I'm Maybe a four. Four. That's where I'm. Four. Eric says, completely lost for ideas once we got ten yards into their, into their half. We have all the strikers, but no offense. In the 61st minute, Arena barks at Bai when he cycles it around rather than carrying it into some space, and Bai seems to wave him off. I think we made it easy for LA's defense. Uh, yeah, very disjointed. I think that's a very good comment by Eric. Also, by the way, while we're talking about people from LAFC who impressed, shout out to former Rochester Rhinos uh, goalkeeper John McCarthy keeping clean sheets after the Rochester Rhinos uh, apparently ceased to exist. So still going strong, keeping that Rage and Rhinos legacy going. Good job. Rev's made it pretty easy for him in this one. Yes, he did. Yes, I agree with Eric's comment there. Uh, David Sibillion says, the goal is to win MLS Cup, right? That is the goal. Reach If you shoot for the moon and you miss, you, you land in the stars. Uh, and I, I would say that they are aiming high with that goal to win MLS Cup this year. Um, opening odds to win MLS Cup was 28-1 to 1 on the Revolution, and I did not bet on that. Uh, Sean, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think that's always the goal, right? Um, unless you're, I guess, having a rebuilding season. But with the Revolution roster and Bruce Arena as coach, uh, I mean, that's got to be the goal. <laughs> Whether it's likely is another question. I don't think it is, even if Carlos is healthy and even given the, how they started the season. But <laughs> it's got to be the goal. And again, uh, this is the toughest game of the season. I think we'll know a lot more against Nashville, which is somewhere between Charlotte and Houston and LAFC. I think once we get a good sample of eight to 10 games, we'll know, is this a playoff team? Is this a cup contender? Is is this a team that needs to focus on the young kids and rebuild? Um, we don't know that right now. And um, and we also don't know, Carlos Hill's injury might be a, a, a very minor knock that really just impacted this game. It might be something similar to what we saw in 2021 where he misses a month and he needs to go to Spain for his voodoo treatment or whatever. So we don't know yet, uh, but... Long way to go in this season. Panic panic meters at a four. Uh, Matt, are you concerned with the Revs' ability to come back when playing from behind? They seem to get discouraged pretty easily, and then it just falls apart, like in the game, like in this game. Uh, and I will say they didn't really fall apart until it was two nothing. Um, they really kind of held their own even after that early penalty by uh, conceded by Gustavo Bo. Um, are you concerned about the Revs playing from behind, Sean? I am. Yeah, and I think you know this, this game raised those concerns because. When they fell behind and when they finally decided to really go for it, um, it didn't seem like they were able to create opportunities offensively without really leaving themselves open to a kind of unacceptable extent defensively, um, even when it was just one nothing in the second half. I think after after, you know, kind of they made those substitutions, uh, which should have made the team better. Um, it seemed like they sold out offensively and left themselves way too open defensively. So I, I think when you're just down one nothing in a game and you can't really create opportunities like they were in this game, and again, LAFC is you know best team in the league, so you take that with you know factor, factor that in that context in. But I, I'm concerned that the Revolution um, struggle when they fall behind and have to break down a team that you know is content to possess and doesn't need to attack. Um, that the Revolution aren't able to kind of. Co- kind of break that team down um, without selling out defensively and, and creating a very open game uh, and leaving themselves exposed in the back. So yeah, it's, it's, it's early uh, and this was against the best team in the league, but uh, I think it's fair to have those concerns. Question. This came in midweek before the game. So maybe we'll ask on a more positive note. Uh, we'll end on a more positive note. I should say uh, after Turner's move to Arsenal and a move for Petro to a big club being inevitable. How much do you think those transfers will help us attract more great young talent uh, in Foxborough? Are we a destination for young promising uh, or very promising young keepers now? 
I think so. And I think Bruce has changed that reputation of the team in general, not just for young, promising keepers, but for young, promising players in Europe that maybe aren't in the ideal club situation um, and have an opportunity to come here, shine and, and get sold to a, a better team. Guys like Adam Buxa, um, you know, Vioni hasn't worked out yet, but I think you know that probably was part of the reason that he came here as he saw what you know, what happened with Adam Buxa. Um, so, you know, there's a reputation the revolution never had before, but I think Bruce Arena has given them that reputation. And certainly if they sell two keepers to the top teams in the Premier League in short order, um, this becomes a very attractive destination for you know goalkeepers that want want to set their sights on, or, you know, might be playing in Europe, might be playing in South America, but want to set their sights on going to you know bigger team in Europe. Um, and you know if the if the defense plays as, as open as they have this game and last season, there's plenty of opportunities for a goalkeeper to shine. <laughs> I think the league in general too. See, I, I think the league itself has changed its opinion that young talent comes in and out of the league. And I think that is very attractive to foreign players. And I think with the U22 initiative, the entire point of that is to attract international talent, get them to play for a few years, and then sell on to uh, bigger European clubs. Um, so I, I certainly think that um, the league has certainly changed their reputation and the revolution are trying to keep up with that. Um, maybe they're a step behind, but I certainly think Matt Turner leaving, Tejan Buchanan leaving, eventually be Georgie Petrovic, uh, and eventually it'll be Dylan Barrero. Um, those those guys will set the stage for, oh, and, and Adam Buxa too. Adam Buxa certainly moved on. I, I know he has not had as successful a time in Europe due to injury, um, but I, I think they've changed the, the outlook of the revolution compared to where they used to be, where if you signed with the revolution, you were honoring that contract until the day it expired. So Sean, um, that wraps us up for listener questions. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. Uh, we appreciate all of the questions. Um, we always know, uh, whether or not a, how terrible a game was, um, if we have a, an overwhelming amount of questions, cause a lot of people, uh, have a lot of things to say, but, uh, appreciate all of the contributions. Sean, any, uh, final thoughts, uh, you want to say before we depart here today? No, I'm just impressed by how many questions we got given the uh, 1038 night game. That is some dedicated listeners and dedicated fans to get those questions in. <laughs> so thank you, everybody. Yes, yes. Uh, pat on the back for everyone who who stayed awake. That does it for us here today. You can follow us on Twitter at Revolution Recap. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Revolution Recap. Sean, where can people follow you? You can find me on Twitter at Sean L. Donahue. And be sure to follow our friends at the Bent Musket on Twitter at the Bent. Or sorry, no, jeez, oh, I gotta change this copy. You can follow our friends at the Blazing Musket at Blazing Musket on Twitter. You can also follow their work uh, online at their Substack at the www.theblazingmusket.com for year-round coverage. Uh, also, be sure to follow our friends at the Rebellion at the Rebellion on Twitter and go to nerebellion.org to learn more about them and how you can get involved in supporter culture. And make sure you go check out their St. Patrick's Day tailgate, open to all. You don't need to be a Rebellion member. Uh, please go check it out. Go meet some members of the Rebellion and go meet some fellow uh, Revs fans. It is open to all you will have a blast also check out our sponsor galasso kits and be sure to use our promo code revs recap for 15 off of your order at galassokits.com and make sure you are subscribed on itunes spotify wherever you are listening and if you could please rate and review us five stars it helps people looking for revolution content find us and we really appreciate all of the recent reviews we have gotten uh and, and by the way if you've reviewed us on itunes Go review us on Spotify. Uh, give us a five-star review on Spotify. If you've given us five stars on Spotify, give us five stars on iTunes. If you've done both, take someone's phone uh, and give us five stars from there. Re we really appreciate that. So uh, we'll be back next week to hopefully recap a better game against Nashville. Until then, thank you, everyone, for listening, and go Revs.